Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. The voice of massive magic fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, the voice of magic fans, episode 17. And in the studio today, we have Justin, Yo. Al, Yo. Ariel, hey. Mark, here, and myself, Anthony. And in today's episode we're going to start off we're going to jump right into our icebreaker and um in the ozone thought of a really good discussion um about a couple days ago Dwayne wade or yesterday i'm sorry last night Dwayne wade just got his jersey retired in miami we just inducted daryl armstrong into the magic hall of fame and it had me thinking as of right now the magic do not have any jerseys retired in the rafters the only jersey (laughs) that we have is number six which is the fans and Truthfully, it's a little it's a little frustrating for me because it's kind of borderline embarrassing. So, my question to you guys: If there was one Orlando Magic player that you would retire one jersey in the rafters right now, who would it be and why? Uh, for me, it would probably be uh, Tracy McGrady. I think the that's number a good one, choice, Justin. That's a good choice. Yeah, I think um, I think T Mac is is one of those players that kind of bridged the old style of basketball with the new style um had hops out of the planet could literally play any you know like anywhere on the court T-Mac was a guy that could you know he could score from there he's emblematic of the Orlando Magic at least for me when I think of Tracy McGrady I don't think of Houston Rockets Tracy McGrady I think of Orlando Magic Tracy McGrady and he didn't spend the majority of his career here um but I think his impact was felt here a lot. So for me, that's that's one of the players that um, is always weird to me that that he's not kind of remembered more on this team, and that the team doesn't go in that direction of honoring T Mac. I think is a little weird, but that would be it for me. For me, um, it's going to be Dwight Howard. I know a lot of Magic fans don't like Dwight Howard anymore, but if you think about the past, maybe what. As players that were stars for the Orlando Magic, I believe Dwight Howard was the only player that brought us the most success. Mm-hmm. You know, Shaquille O'Neal was with us, but he wasn't with us for so long. Um, so Dwight Howard, for me, he brought us to the finals, even though we lost to the Lakers and Kobe Bryant. He was uh, an all-star for us for several years. Um, he was on our team for eight years, so I feel like that that's enough years to be qualified to get your uh, jersey retired. And like I said, he brought the most success to his franchise. He brought the city together. We were all excited to watch every game, every season. And for that, number 12, I want to see that jersey up there. I would say number 12 if he comes back and retires here. But if he didn't leave the way he did, then I would be on board. But for me, I would, I, my favorite Magic player would be Tracy McGrady. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to go with Justin there. And uh, he was just exciting. But I feel like uh, him going to Houston messed it up for me. So, so I what? really don't have anybody. But <laughs> my closest person would be Tracy McGrady. I'd be curious. I want to say that I read an article a while back where it gave the Orlando Magic's um, requirements for the Jersey retirement. I gotta find it. But I think when we when we look at impactfulness of of players and and kind of what they mean. It's similar to how Allen Iverson made the number three popular, the same way that Michael Jordan made the 23 popular. I think that in no way, shape, or form should another Magic player 
wear the number one jersey. I was a little unhappy the fact that Jonathan Isaac wore yes, number one. Truthfully, he's he's a really good player, so I'm okay with it. But if we look at the list of other players that wore number one, Gilbert Arenas, Doug Christie, Von Wafer, yeah. like these are these are players that don't deserve to wear <laughs> that prestigious number one. And against any other team, can you think of any other team in the NBA that a player wore number one that was way more impactful than Penny Hardaway and Tracy McGrady? I really can't. Number one is just it that's a magic number. And that's that number is ours. And I really don't have a has to be Tracy McGrady or has to be Penny Hardaway. I truthfully think that it should be a, a co Mm-hmm. Retired makes mm-hmm. sense. One, no other team in the NBA has ever done anything like that. And then right. two, they both made that number popular and famous. And I think that when you look at other teams like the Sacramento Kings, they got Vlade Divac retired, Chris yep. Webber retired. Yep. They never won a championship. Yep, they were a really good team, and we had players on our roster that they're players that new coming players, free agents can look up the rafters and be like, "Yo, this this team at Orlando has history." You know, Tracy McGrady was one of LeBron James's favorite players growing up. Um, Penny Hardaway impacted Tracy McGrady. So it's it's one of those things where I believe that number one should be in the rafters and there's no questions about it. And I think that it comes to a point that the Magic need to pull the trigger. I agree. I, I can't I can't disagree with you on that. I mean, in my opinion, though, I, I'm torn between Dwight and, and Shaq. I, both of them played here. Really, not that long to think about it. Like, do I, do I was here what six years in Orlando? Eight years, eight years, eight years. Shaq was only here four, but mm-hmm. I feel the impact those guys made in, in the franchise. They took us to the finals. Nobody else has, other than those two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel that Shaq era was more impactful to Orlando. They really, we were a new team. We were just a, a fresh team in the NBA, making those appearances to the finals, playing the Michael Jordan teams, and playing them well in those years. Um, and Shaq averaged like twenty nine points a game. It was insane what he was putting up those years. He really added value to our team. He really made us a watchable team. Um, and Dwight did the same thing. So um, I'm torn between those two guys. But if I had to choose one, I would choose Shaquille O'Neal. I feel like he was the one that really made Orlando a watchable team and a fun team to watch. When Michael Jordan really had all the impact back then, he was running the NBA. Um, so that that's the guy that I would go with. Shaq put Orlando on the map. 100%, 100%, right? My only issue with Shaq is, let's say that we did retire his jersey, right? To me, it feels a little cheesy. It feels cheesy because, one, he has his jersey retired already in two different arenas right. in the, in L.A. and in Miami. Yeah. And then, two, not only did he get them retired, he gave them all championships except us. That's true. And they gave him a statue for it in Miami and in L.A. So we retire his jersey kind of seems just, I don't yeah. know. It's, yeah. It's kind of we're just doing it just to say that we were a part of his legacy, his what he's been able to accomplish. Yeah. It's the only thing I, I agree. like about it. Now, if we're talking about players in total that we should have retired um, in the rafters, I honestly believe that it should be Tracy McGrady and Penny Hardaway. They should share that dual one. Um, but I also think Dwight Howard and Jameer Nelson. I think the two of them um, together did so much for this team. And they, they were with us. Dwight was with us for eight years. Jameer with 10 years. They led us to the NBA Finals. Um, they impacted the Orlando Magic and brought us back to you know a relevant team, a relevant era. Um, I think that combined, who wouldn't be proud to have those jerseys in the rafters? And I think that it not only should be to really honor those players, because I really don't feel the Hall of Fame is, is really enough. I mean, it's good for the 
for the David Steels and and the Rich DeVosses, but for players, I think yeah. that there's a better way to do it, and I don't feel the Hall of Fame is yeah. sufficient. Yeah, no, it's, again, how do you even honor those guys? Like, for you to see that 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 honor, you gotta go walk through the lobby of of the arena. Like, it's it's weird where it's located too. It's not like it's in a place in the arena where you can see it when you walk in. Right. It's that, like that's in a the good point. yeah. I don't know. I'm just not a fan of what they're doing right now. Um, another guy I would throw out there, however, is Rashad Lewis. I feel that that was really one of the major free agents that chose to come to Orlando, changed the NBA completely back in in 09 when nobody was really playing this four guys out, three-point shooting basketball. Uh, credit to Stan Van, uh, Stan Van Gundy for creating that game, that game plan with Dwight on the team. But he was the one guy that again, chose to come here, adjusted to playing the four when he was really a three, uh, and really made us be a team that went to the finals last year. And the year after, we almost made the finals again, uh, if not for a few games that we lost to the Celtics. Um, but I think that's a guy that, in my opinion, that deserves to have a lot of recognition from our fans. Uh, he changed our, our culture. I think the only bad stigma with Richard Lewis is that he's always going to be tied to um, us giving him such a, a really big contract for the type of player that, that he was. Um, I, I think he honored it, though. I mean, if you were to overpay for one guy right now, say you were to bring here, I don't know, some Bradley Beal, as an example, but you were like to give him some crazy amount of money, but then he took you to the finals two years in a row, or almost did. I'm okay with that. Like, well, true. Truthfully, I I feel like we're in a position where we have to do what we did yeah. before. Yeah. All right. Orlando is not a a top tier destination for free agents, so you're gonna have to overpay. Yeah. And I feel as if if the Magic don't do that, we're gonna miss out on a lot of opportunities, a lot yeah. of opportunities, because you have so many players out there that one want to be that guy, and two want to get paid like being that guy. Mm-hmm. And we have the opportunity, the position to be able to do that. So, yeah, you're right. No Richard Lewis, no NBA Finals, in my opinion. Yeah. But we did overpay. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right, so let's get into the numbers. So right now, the Magic are currently eight games under 500, holding down the eighth seed in the East. Points per game, the Magic are at 104, which has us 29th in the league. Three-point percentage, 33.8 at 28th in the league. And our offensive rating at 105.5, which has us 25th. Defensively, points allowed, 105.7. Believe it or not, we are still holding down the first in the league. Blocks, 5.8, which has us fifth. And then our defensive rating, 107.6, which has us eighth in the NBA. Um, So after the All-Star break, we only had one game, which was this past Friday against Dallas, where it was a 122-106 loss. How would you guys feel about that game? If you recall, this was a game that uh, Wesley Wandu did not get any minutes didn't play at all, and James Ennis had started over Wesley Wandu. So, what do you guys think of the game? Thoughts? So, right after you know coming out of the All Star break, um, seeing a Wandu, Evan, and and T Ross vacationing together, I thought you know that was going to help out a lot. Um, seeing AG robbed of that dunk contest championship, I thought that was going to inspire and motivate him. Um, there were a lot of things, you know, the rest I thought was going to be really good for Markel. There was a lot of things that I thought were at play coming back from, from All-Star Weekend. Uh, but it looks like Orlando's still struggling with the same issues that they had prior to the break. You know, going down by 20 points or 14 points coming back and then ending up losing by, you know, double digits. That's one of the things that we've criticized the team for, you know, during the season. And the first game back. You know, apparent the the first apparent thing that you see, uh, Markel Fultz like having cramping issues, 
that's also a little bit concerning um, because, again, he did have rest for a week. Uh, we saw him cramp during the L.A. Lakers game as well. So I thought the rest was going to help him in that regard. It didn't. Our shots struggled um, immensely. I don't know. It's just a lot of things that I thought were going to be corrected during the break um, that, that don't seem to be. I, I mean, I expected a loss in that game. I know I predicted a win. I know predictions, but I, I really expected a loss just because Dallas is playing at a high level right now. They're number one office in the NBA. Luka and those guys are just another level. I mean, their three-point shooting was out of control in that game. Guys off the bench were coming in and just drilling threes. And mind you, Curry, Seth Curry didn't even have that, that good of a shooting game, which he usually does. Um, the Magic, honestly, didn't play bad. It's just Dallas wasn't missing. Um, we were contesting shots. They were just making them. Um, Rotation-wise, yeah, they won the situation. was surprising. Um, again, I expected it. When, when, once I heard Ennis was starting, I'm like, hey, who's going to lose minutes? It's not MCW. Augustine is back. Somebody's going to be sitting out. I wish it would have been Clark instead, and he wanted to play some minutes at the four. Like, I know he's kind of undersized for that, but he can handle it. Clark only played eight minutes. Still, he wanted to shoot again in those eight minutes. I think he's earned it. He, he's played hard enough, and we'll talk about it later on in our podcast today. Um, but it's a game that it's a magic game. It's a game that we couldn't make shots, and unfortunately, that's our issue right now. 29th in offense. That's what Ant just said. We can't keep up with a team that scores every other possession. We just right. can't. Did anybody else feel like this game was just another typical Magic game? Yeah. Because at one point that we were down by double figures, came back fighting, and then we ended up losing by double figures. That's what we do. It's just, it's just a nonstop, never-ending story. And I think that one of the – what disappoints me the most is that Aaron Gordon was, like, the talk of the town. And numerous, numerous medias, they, they said, man, I, I feel bad for whoever has to go against Aaron Gordon. Hold and, on. I got to interrupt. He also dropped a song that said – I'm going to put 40 on your noggin. <laughs> what? He's done that once before. <laughs> but, I mean, he only he only had 10 points, 12 rebounds. I expected more. I thought that this was going to be um, the motivation that he needed to kind of take the reins and, and take it forward. I thought that mm-hmm. we were going to see a more aggressive Aaron Gordon, um, an angrier Aaron Gordon. I feel like we didn't see it. It was the typical Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier Nick had 27, 48, 28 leading the way as as it's always it's always M2, right? Leading to a loss. Leading, <laughs> leading to a loss. <laughs> and then us getting destroyed by another no-name Maxi Kleber. That's, God, a, that's a typical that Magic. No, right Maxi Kleber is, is really good. No, he that's, is good. That's one it, of the guys that I thought Orlando should have tried to push for yeah. to bring out here. But yeah, in that fourth but quarter? It's, but it's always, it's always that one player that you don't expect from the opposing team that's whooping our ass. Yeah. Yeah. In that fourth yeah. quarter, though, that's, 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 all he was doing was pick and pop. Like the the entire fourth quarter, and we could not guard him. It's another experiment. How many minutes was Ennis playing in, in Philly? He like, off the bench like less than 10 he's yeah at this yeah. point and then all like, of a sudden he's playing 22 no, 25 I mean, minutes I'm not, I'm, I'm not upset with that in this no no I'm not upset I'm just saying it's just another experiment it is another experiment but what it kind of feels like it feels as if Steve Clifford needs to stop having conversations with Stan Van Gundy because yeah. he's, he's putting way too much input in his mind and it kind of feels like we almost have Stan Van Gundy as a coach because he's asking for a lot of advice but by the time that they have a conversation, it sounds good. He brings the information back to Orlando Magic Camp, and then it's kind of like the watered-down version of SVG. Yep. And then it's just not working out. Um, James Ennis, I, I agree. I think that he should be our starter. No, I agree. But I don't think that it should eliminate the amount of contributions that Wasi Wandu has been given to this team. Yeah. I think in the same way that 
at the beginning of the season, um, Clifford was kind of staggering Markel and DJ where they played even minutes. I think he should do something similar with um, Ennis, Awundu, and MCW. I think that there should be like a three-player split I agree. In, in starting minutes where everybody plays about you know 12 minutes or so. I think that gives that gives more balance. And yes, it does open up your rotation a little more. Um, but this is a team where you don't have enough offensive power from the guys that play every game. You have to incorporate new players into that. Um, you also have to incorporate new rotations. You can't be afraid to you can't be afraid to just try things out, you know, like Terrence Ross in the starting lineup or moving Evan to the three, giving some guys some burn at two. I think those are those are all options um, that I, I don't think will make the team worse um, and at a minimum keeps us at the same level we're at now. Do you feel like a 10-man rotation is too many players? No. no, not many, for this many, team. Many teams do it. Mm-hmm. Many teams do it. How about for them. when it comes to the playoffs, like we, we make the 7A spot, would you still stick with our 10-man rotation? If it's working. If it's working, yeah. I don't. I, like I said, I don't think we have enough offensive power to limit our rotation to 8-9 guys. I just think that Wesley Awandu should have gotten the 7 minutes that were given to Gary Clark. Yeah. I think I if you're, you're going to stick to 10-man rotation, I'm choosing Wes over Gary. And what's their so that should we open it up? What, should yeah. should it be opened up to? Should this is? I guess this is what I'm saying. There shouldn't be a cap on how many players are playing in a rotation on the night for this team. Yeah. I'm not saying that for you know any successful NBA team has to have a cap on rotational players, but for this team and the offense that this team can can produce, there shouldn't be a cap. There should be a situation where Cliff can see what's going on and say, hey. This isn't working. I understand we have a 10-man rotation today. This isn't working. Let's add an 11th man. Yeah, unless, unless injuries happen, that's the only way that he will do that, which is kind of sad. Yeah. But what you're saying is true. We, we've been preaching for that since October, which and is be dynamic. Just go based on the flow of the game. Yep. Again, there are times when it won't do us a better matchup out there. Right. Just throw him out there. There's times when MCW was playing really, really well. Leave him out there. Don't don't take him out. But we know what, how that goes. It's the Markel thing at the five-minute mark back in December thing right. where the five minute mark came Markel's coming out no matter what's happening you can't do that and I think we all agree it's got to change unfortunately uh, one thing that Clifford has like Sam Van Gundy is he's very stubborn like he just sticks to his rotation he sticks to his game plan um, and it feels like it wanted to know about this on Thursday because he tweeted some random things that got us thinking in our group chat um, so that tells you everything he's pre-planning for a game on a Thursday without knowing what's going to happen on the game I think it's, it's very telling that we were having the same criticisms about Cliff in November, December, February, going into March, still the same criticism. What ha- what happens? You know what I mean? So just moving forward a little to um, the Jews. So we obviously mentioned that James Ennis was inserted into the starting lineup. Do you think that that should be the plan moving forward? Are you still okay with him being in the starting lineup? Absolutely. I'm cool with it. Uh, adds another shooter to our team. Um for granted, Awanda was shooting great for us, um, but I think it's, it gives us a little bit more of a solid shooter. Um, Ennis deserves to, I believe, play in the starting lineup. He's, he's a veteran presence. He can play defense as well. At the same time, I do believe Awanda needs to play, but um, I have nothing against uh, Ennis starting in the lineup with us. He had a really bad game, 21 minutes played, two points. He was one of three, uh, excuse me, one of six of his field goal attempts. I mean, there, there wasn't anything... 
anything special from him. That's what his third game played for us, though. Yeah, and, yeah, and I mean, the offense that we, what we had him doing in offense, and I was able to watch it, is 10 of the corner the whole time. And I, I don't think that's the best way to use Ennis. Uh, but he just literally sat in the corner. And the only time he would shoot the ball is if they give it to him. He just jacked it up. Um, you got to be, again, more creative with, his, with the plan on offense for him. Um, I'm sure he can come off, off a screen and shoot a three. I'm sure he can dribble the ball and, and create a, off, a pick, off a pick and roll. But again, we're playing that Markel situation. Markel doesn't have the ball in his hands. He's sitting in the corner. It's, I don't know, man. Our offense is just... I just, nah. I just think statistically he was maybe that much better than Wesley Wandu yeah. in the game, and he didn't see any four minutes. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I, I guess because he's still so new to the roster, I would rather prefer Wesley Wandu start and then James Ennis off the bench. At the very least, he's impacting the, the bench. True. Uh, especially with, um, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, but DJ Augustine coming back. Our our bench now is just, just a little bit better. And yep. I would have liked to see that more than, you know, just throwing James in his, into his starting lineup. I think it's fair. I mean, again, if if those three players, like I said before, one do MCW and James Ennis had that, that minute split between them, I think you wouldn't really notice that much of a difference. Um, but when you have Ennis who, again, has played, what, three games for us, jumping in and playing 20-plus minutes. Obviously, his lack of flow in the offense is going to be obvious to, to to the eye because he's not a fit yet. He's still yeah. getting to know the players. He's still getting to know the system. Um, Orlando plays much differently than Philly does. So I think, you know, it's something that, that is going to take time. Um, and, and, again, if you offset those minutes, I think that the – Visibility of, of his shortcomings will be less, um, and it'll allow him, you know, kind of time and space to grow in with our offense. Yeah, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have started him this game, especially being his third game, coming off of a nine day vacation, and the, him not having the ability to build that chemistry with the team. Right. I mean, we're trying to win these last couple games, and uh, I mean, one dude should have been up there, and it should have probably got eight ten minutes if that. And what makes it difficult for West is the fact that obviously you have James Ennis starting, and then you bring back DJ Augustine, um, who was injured since mid January due to a knee issue. Now DJ Augustine comes back. DJ Augustine comes back into the Magic fold, and he plays sixty minutes, but goes scoreless. Are you excited to have DJ back? Oh, I am. I am. I mean, just from again what we said earlier, we need shooting, we need offense, and one thing that he can bring. It's shooting and offense. So I'm, I'm happy with him back in the team. We've missed him. Um, however, MCW didn't do a bad job playing back a point guard. He held his own. He was averaging close to double digits. Uh, he can't shoot like DJ, so the defense guards Fournier, Ross, and Vooch differently when he's out there. Uh, but obviously, he's going to be someone who's going to help us in our, in our playoff push here. Um, only bad thing is, again, our rotation needs adjustments, and he leaves us wondering what's going to happen. I think I want to see Cliff experimenting and having DJ play two guard again, um, especially if you're going to have him in the lineup with MCW. I think MCW handles the ball well enough to play point mm-hmm. guard, um, but his shot is obviously an issue. So if you have MCW handling the ball and DJ as an undersized two, he's proven that, you know, coming off screens, even with his height, coming off screens, he's deadly from the three-point line. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think it, it kind of frees up his offense when he's not on the ball. Um, I'd love to see DJ play too. Guys. Not only that, but I think MCW does some does some great things with the ball in his hands. Yeah. Whether it's pick and rolls, pushing off rebounds, he creates that offense for us. Right. DJ is more of a let's bring the ball up and let's create 
on, on a slow pace mm-hmm. half court offense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I agree with you. I think that that would help us keep that Markel momentum going, right. even when he's on the bench. Right. I'm a I'm an MCW fan. I what Me I like too. about MCW is the fact that um, if you take a look at his stats, is nothing really jumps out to you. But his play and, and the way that he plays impacts the game so much that oh, yeah. you know it may not show on the stat sheet, but it's it's something that. Every team needs that mm-hmm. that gritty dog that I feel like MCW is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every every off ball, every every rebound out there that's loose, he's the one that's gonna grab it. Uh, even last game against Dallas, there was a ball was going out of bounds. Everyone's like looking at it. He came out of nowhere and saved it. Like it's just little things like that that he does that keeps us in the game. Uh, and we we made that comeback from 18 points down. He was up there on the court in that moment. So. It's hard to bench him. I just want to see the ball more in his hands rather than put him in the corner to shoot a three or to create with eight seconds in the shot clock. That's not his game. It's more of a creator, not so much of a uh, offensive power. Yeah, and they, right. I think he shot. I gotta take a look at the stats, but there was, there was a couple moments that you know he shot two or three three pointers, and I'm just like, man, see, that's I love that's you, man, but that's not your game. Yeah, stop you miss doing him. that. He that right there, too. stop it. Yeah, and I agree. I wouldn't be. I, I'd be open to the fact of have him come down, bring the ball down, and then get the ball out of his hands and just pass it to someone that can't shoot. But uh, again, he impacts the game in so many different ways that I'm I'm okay with him being on the floor. Uh, sure. With DJ Augustine, I'm, it doesn't concern me that he went scoreless first game back from the injury. It's definitely going to take him some time to get back into the groove. I think this team really, really misses his shooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like I said, DJ can DJ is one of those guys, right? Because you you look at him and he's like five ten, right? And you're like kind of the same thing with Isaiah Thomas, right? Where they have this skill set, but their height kind of prevents them from being, you know, like that next level. Um, but I think DJ has, still at his age has the quickness oh, yeah. and agility to play two guard because. Yep. Um, I think he's faster than a lot of two guards in yeah. a weird way. So it puts him in situations where he could still cut to the basket and do things that bigger, you know, bigger guys do. And even more in today's NBA, so many teams out there rolling out with three point guards, right. rotations okay, and see, stuff. Man. The Rockets, like, yeah. Rockets have no okay, center see, really. Well. So in today's NBA, you technically could go out there and, and play Markel, DJ, and MCW together right. uh, and make that be a fast-paced uh, lineup. Right. We just got to get creative into those things. That's something Clifford, I would say, should give a try, you know, at this point. Yeah. Um, being unpredictable is one of those things that can definitely steal you a couple wins going yeah. down the stretch. Because teams, by this, you you have to imagine, by this point in the season, teams already know who you are. Yeah. Right? They come to Orlando, they're like, this is what we're going to expect. So you switch it up, throw them off their game. You know, it can it can make the difference. Yeah. There's games where I've already thought about throwing Gordon at the five instead of playing Mamba when he's struggling yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Throw Gordon at the five and mm-hmm. run with a really short lineup, fast-paced. Again, but it doesn't happen in Orlando. No. Yeah, so um, obviously something major that happened that night before the game was the fact that Daryl Armstrong was inducted into the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame, which is a really big deal. If you remember Daryl Armstrong, you know that he was the leader of the Harden Hustle. And he had a quote that I wanted to read. It's heart and hustle night. It's an honor for me from where I came from, a 13th man on a 13-man team my first year and only year playing in high school. And now I'm here getting into the Hall of Fame with four outstanding guys. You can't ask for any more than that. This was a player that, if you remember him, he went undrafted. Magic picked him up. And he really had to fight his way into having um, an NBA career. And Daryl Armstrong, to me, is the... 
epitome of what we want guys to be on this Magic roster. Kind of still hurts me the fact that we that he's part of the Dallas Mavericks organization because he should be the player that we have around. Um, not necessarily next to Nick Anderson's and the Bowl Outlaws, but a player that should be a part of um, our roster to help and develop certain players. So, how how did you guys feel about the about him being inducted into the Hall of Fame? I used to love watching Daryl Armstrong play. He, uh, like you said, he definitely had a lot of heart, a lot of hustle. Uh, he kept the ball moving. He was quick. He was aggressive. He showed a lot of emotion, which I loved, and I wish we would have right now. Um, so, I just don't think Vooch and Evan matched that heart and hustle that Armstrong had. Just wanted to throw that out there, and. Um, I'm looking forward to a change. So do you think uh, okay, so I definitely disagree. I think <laughs> I think I think Evan I knew you were going to talk next. That's why Evan's I to Evan's heart, Evan's heart and passion and desire to play and win is unquestionable. I don't think if there's a I think if there's a it's player It's questionable. I feel like he's always on vacation. It doesn't translate no, to wins. If there's a player, if there's a player who is who is visibly upset on in a loss or when the team is playing badly, it's Evan. I don't think Evan ever goes to the bench like, eh, we're getting smoked right now. It's all good. I think like, I saw it last game. Nah. Evan, well. I had good season. I saw some facial. First game back, they were what? Uh, it's no Turks, vacation, right? So I, I'm willing to throw this this game and say, hey, you know what? You just got back from vacation, you know, experimenting a little bit. I think ultimately Orlando as an organization has to do a better job at bringing in the history of the team, who the team was. Because the – the team had successes, right? You know how many people I speak to that don't even realize that the that Orlando made it to the NBA Finals before? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of magic history that just isn't brought forward um, that a lot of people, especially the new age, a lot of the people that go to the games are 18, 19-year-old uh, people that don't really know about the history but of the team. But now that you say that, where in the arena are they, do they display, like... It's on the terrace level, like a section 103, I think it is. Uh, it's like in the lobby area. Like, it's not even like... I mean, to be honest, most no. fans go to this upper level, so they don't yeah, get to so see I mean, that. But I mean, not even that. Even if you sit on the terrace level, but you're the other side, you're not going to see it. To me, it should be somewhere like right in the entrance. When you walk in, it should be a nice little mural. Yeah. But no, yeah. it's on the terrace level. Or even coming so, in from the Geico parking lot, that exactly. whole open area there yeah. where the team shop, the smaller team shop is... I think that would be a good area. It's it's centralized, and it would allow everyone to kind of on their way out of the arena yeah. to walk by, or, and or see even it. just even, have it throughout the stadium. Even different. even in uh, what like the Kia suite is like, make that be like a museum where you can just go in with your ticket and you know go back and yeah, watch. Right. You know the players have been retired, blah blah. blah. You know what? I saw some hidden. of it through the VIP exit. You could see uh, Richard Lewis. You could see. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But those are just yeah, like like pictures and stuff. Or, like, yeah, the but, actual it, but it talks and, about it and stuff. But that's the thing, though. Do we have enough history and we greatness history. in the yes. past to just do something like we that? Do. We, well, we and do be have, proud of it. We've had various players that you can argue are Hall of Fame, yeah. not Magic Hall of Fame, but NBA Hall of Fame. But do you think the Magic players. feel proud to you know display the past? They, are they no, satisfied they, with it? They do. It's just we we get so used to the proper way of honoring players is by retiring their jersey it's right there in the rafters you're sitting down in your seat doesn't matter where you're sitting in the arena you immediately see it you you're drawn to it but if you just have one little section where it is and half of the people that walk by it one don't appreciate it and two don't even know who it is to appreciate i think it. that there's a way there's definitely ways to be innovative in celebrating so the history we, of this team why don't we do that why don't we put something in the rafters that just says daryl Armstrong, magic hall of fame 
just something in the rafters. It's like, it doesn't have to be a number attached to it. And the team is in control of what goes up there. Or even it's a not a, you like mean, you mean more like um, like a banner that yeah. has Magic Hall of Fame and then just write the name? I'd be open to that. Just, yeah, put, just someone, like, put someone's name up there. Exactly. I would Anything. say take like, number six off because this is not about the fans. Who, <laughs> I want to know who came up with the six-man uh, jersey fan retirement. I, I don't know, but I know... That's the Voss family. I think that was something that he was very passionate about, uh, Rich DeVos, and he wanted to honor the fans. But it's not way. a it's not a cultural thing, right? Like, so I, I talk about living in Seattle. So with the with the Seahawks, the twelfth oh, yeah, fan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. is a real thing. Like people buy jerseys, Seahawk jerseys with a like twelfth fan on it, right? And and it's something that the culture of not just the city, but obviously the NFL team in that area is embraced. There's flags that fly the twelve, like. This is this is a cultural thing because there's this idea that the the Seattle fans are so passionate and so engaged with their team that it is almost like having an extra person on the field. That's not the case here. No. Most nights, you know, you hear you hear the opposing team's fans louder than the Magic fans in the building. When well, you we can't, went, you can't blame them. Don't say that because you no, can't no, no. blame them. That's because we, we've not, been in this for not, so long. That's not necessarily there's, true because when we went to the Atlanta Hawks game. We were sitting in section 114, right? Like six rows up from the court. And we made it a point, everyone except Mark, made it a point (laughs) to be loud, right? To express, like, I am here. I'm interested in watching this team. And if I can play a role in getting a win for this team, I'm going to be as loud and as passionate as I can be. So while the, the product is not as great as it probably should be, the fans are also responsible for contributing to that. You know what it is? I think is uh, again, it's not part of our culture. And I say that because again, when I lived up north before going to Celtics games, Celtics games, man, they're they're packed every single game, sold out. Number one, number two, the fans are into it. As right. if it was a playoff game, yep. even though it's game forty-two in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Here, fans show up in the playoffs. Last year, we saw that when yeah. we made the playoffs, game three, game four, loud as heck in there. Fans were screaming. They were wearing their, their their shirts that were given away. So fans have that passion. The problem is those fans only show up when the team is doing really well. It's called fair weather. Correct. Fair weather fans is Correct. what we have. And no, you know what's I, unfortunate? I don't agree. I think we have a really great fan no, no, base. We do. I just think it, we're we're they're just we're tired. We I mean, do. There's we, not, not much of excitement. Markel is probably the most exciting player we've had. In I mean, it, years. you're right. It is hard to be excited and passionate when you lose. But but look at the seats. I mean, people come to the game. People come to the games. The only problem is many Magic fans buy season tickets, and it's not tourists. But it's for a profit. They'll go and they'll sell half of the games to make a profit on those right. tickets. We got right. casual. Whereas games. if we have a Dwight Howard era back all over again, those fans were buying tickets to go to the games. So it's different. I mean, and I get it. The team is not that great. Uh, prices went up again. So fans are not too happy right now. But we just need quality teams. But go back to the point of Carol Armstrong and kind of how we started everything. I like that idea. Just put something in the rafters, a banner that just says, hey, Shaquille O'Neal, all these guys. Magic Hall of Fame, at the very least. You know, we're not the only team that has a number six jersey retired for the fans. It's also the Sacramento Kings. But next to the number six, they have other players. Yeah. Um, Stoyakovich, Divac. Yeah, player, players that they made that team. That's their. That's the, sec- the Sacramento Kings history. That was a big part of you know the rivalry that they had back yeah. then with the Vladis versus Shaq and the Lakers and the whole nine. Um, but at the same time, so the Magic did unretire the number six jersey back in 2001 when we picked up Patrick Ewing. We brought down the number six just so that Patrick Ewing can wear it for that one year, and then we put it right back up. What should have happened, and we should have kept that number right back down. Like it should have never went back up. Yeah. Because to me, I, I just find it, I find it cringy as as a fan, and 
you know, the fact that, you know, we have to explain or anytime I have a conversation, explain it, it, you know, it's, it's the fans. That's, that's pretty much it. Now let's move on to pastor shoot. Jumping right into the topic, the Magic have the players to be successful, but the coaching is what's holding this team back. I'm going to shoot on that. Um, I agree. I think Steve Clifford is a really good guy. Um, Personality-wise, I don't have an issue uh, with him. Um, But I think for this team to be successful, you know, with its current construction, keeping the same guys we have, I think there has to be a change in focus. I think Markel has to be the focal point. I think Evan Fournier is a really good shooter and should be, you know, um, should be behind behind faults. Uh, but I think there has to be an emphasis on running the open court and pushing the pace. And I've spoke about this before, but I think as long as you slow things down and play the half-court game with Vooch and make Vooch the focal point of the offense, as good as Vooch is because he's not a bad player, um, we won't be successful. Um, and that that is because a slower pace is easier to guard against, especially with the athleticism in the league nowadays. And you put Vooch in a situation where it makes him look bad because now he's getting double teamed in the paint. He's getting the ball stolen from him, and it's exposing his shortcomings. So I think the way to offset that is, again, to push the pace, high, uh, play high transition basketball, and Cliff, unfortunately, is not that coach. I'm going to shoot as well. I just want to see him use players more correctly. I want to see Aaron Gordon play a lot more four and be able to play inside a lot more and just spending time in the outside. That falls on the coach. I want to see Markel be more of a primary handler and have him be focused more on the offense. That's more on coach as well because he has Fournier being the point guard at times, and that's when the buddy ball comes in with Vooch and Fournier. And, right. and we all know the last few years that hasn't even worked. I want to see more Fournier be more of a two guard coming off screens, spotting up shooting a little bit, you know. Um, so just just trying to fix things with players and let them know, hey, like I've seen you, you're playing this way lately. We're going to change it up a little bit. We're going to make things more comfortable for you. We're going to make more things more comfortable for this player. Just switch up the play style and for a few of these players and get them to play more to their strengths. So really quick, because you did bring it up, do you think that the problem is that uh, Cliff isn't holding the players accountable enough? Um, I don't. I mean, I don't, true, because they, they, they play one way, right? Like, do you think he's holding Aaron Gordon accountable for the way he plays at times? Well, I, honestly, I don't, like I don't think so. Because right? Because he does it multiple games and it's still not fixed. Like what, the whole year we've been what seeing What choice that. does right. he have, though? His job is to be able to put the best player on the floor. I'm passing for a simple fact that, yeah, he does he have moments where his decisions are questionable? Yeah. But our last five coaches have been terrible with more or less of the same roster. Great, great players make great coaches. Look at, look at Frank Vogel. Now, Frank all of a sudden, he's yeah. considered an elite coach because he's coaching mm. LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But is that because Frank Vogel is coaching, or is that because LeBron's running the show? That, I think that's a different conversation. We're, we're, giving, we're giving LeBron way too much credit. Are we? I don't, I don't think that we, we're giving uh, LeBron too much credit. Every team that LeBron has played for has made the coach successful. Right, and Eric Spolstra was a new coach. But that's because he Tyron Lue was a new coach. LeBron as a player, your talent level for the team is already higher than the rest of the NBA. He's the best player in the world. So what happens if LeBron played for the Magic right now? Do you think Clifford would be an elite coach right now? Yes, yes, exactly. So I, I back, I, I understand your point. It's true. Like, so the whole Vogel situation. Vogel was our coach a few years ago, and we fired him because we couldn't win games with him. All of a sudden, now he's playing for his coaching the Lakers. And he's an elite coach again. It, it, the roster has a major, major impact on that. 
And to answer this point to you guys, so the question you asked, and I completely I pass on that because the question is, do the Magic have the roster to be successful? And it's the coach's fault. And I'm going to completely disagree with that. I feel like we don't have the right roster. We have the worst offense in the NBA for the last three years. That hasn't been fixed. You can't blame that on the coach. Yeah. You can't. Like, and he said I, in the, in no, the post. No, I, I think you could blame that on the coach. No, you can't. You can't. I mean, how could you say you, we have the best defense? That's what he's a, a preacher of. Let's play defense. We have one of the best defense in the NBA. He's doing his job. However, he cannot control when the ball goes in the basket. The guys that we have... Are not shooters. Coaching might be an issue. Understand? I I coaching, coaching might be an issue, but we won't know 100% until we make roster changes. Correct. The only roster changes that we've done is we brought Jonathan Simmons and we traded him for Markel Fultz. What else have we done outside of drafting players? I mean, we can't, we can't expect for Mo Bamba to be our savior, right? Yeah. Granted, that, that doesn't fall on Coach Cliff. That falls on the front office. All it takes is one player to change a franchise. Correct. Trey Young, Luka Doncic, the whole nine, right? We got Obama. So we've been striking out for draft picks for how long now? Yeah. And this team is going to continue to struggle. doesn't matter who we bring in because we can bring in whatever coach. Because my personal feeling is what coach can you bring in right now that's going to, one, be better than Steve Clifford, and two, gain the respect of his players like yeah. Steve Clifford And not does. only that, but like, can you put here, heck, you can put here Phil Jackson. Mark, Mark well, Jackson. We could bring Mark Jackson I'm just here. saying, like, bring the best NBA, of the, the best coach out there right now. Mark Jackson. Spolstra, anybody. Put him with this roster right now. Do you think it would be uh, ten games better? Yes, I, do. I don't think so. I, I do because because again, I don't I don't think that the talent is the issue. I think the way that the talent is being <laughs> utilized is the issue. So if I you think go, when you when you like Mark said when you have Evan Fournier, you know, kind of ball handling like he's the point guard, you have Aaron Gordon over dribbling, right? Those are all tendencies that the coach is responsible for stopping. When you have Vucevic consistently now trailing to shoot a three-pointer even if it's a bad shot because he no longer wants to play in the paint like he used to those are all things that the coach is responsible for because you hold guys accountable right if 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 Steve Clifford said Aaron Gordon you're over dribbling the hell out of the ball right you're you're forcing shots up on double teams every time you do that sprints or every time you do that your minutes get decreased like there has to be some type of reprimand for consistently playing outside of how what benefits the team so i don't think that that we ha- we lack the talent right terrence ross is a really good shooter when you put him in positions to be successful when you have him just running around and doing whatever 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 he finds that's not the best way to utilize him when evan fournier is 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 playing outside of the three line and coming off screens he's hitting those threes at a pretty high rate when you put markel in the right situation Right and allow him the freedom to handle the ball and control the offense. You've seen that Markel can unlock certain um, attributes in players' games. You know, for example, Aaron Gordon that you don't see when Markel's not playing. So there, there is talent there. I think Steve has to kind of step back, stop consulting Stan Van Gundy, find his own rhythm and make his own decisions and allow this team to thrive. I think, for example, if Mark Jackson was the coach of this team. It would play at a at a much higher rate offensively, speed wise and and shooting wise. You can argue that Steve Clifford is maximizing what he can with the roster that he has. Out of the teams in the East, top eight, right, that are in the playoffs, we're the only team without an All Star. The only team without an All Star. What more do you want from Steve Clifford? 
Yeah. He's he took us. So we we bring Steve Clifford on. We make it to the NBA playoffs that nobody was expecting last season. And now we're still on the verge of doing that. Now, despite the injuries and all now that. Now you could you could argue that Brooklyn doesn't have an all star, but he still they still had Kyrie Irving on the team. Yeah. Now that they're gonna now that they're losing him, there's a good chance that there's gonna be a fallout. But there there he has no all star. He's really relying on Nikola Vucevic. And that's and why Fournier. that's why the question was again. We go back to the same to the same. The wording is important. In the discussion is, do we have the players to be successful? And I don't think we do. If you put Mark Jackson in this team. And you put Clifford coaching Steph and Clay back in 2013. I feel like Clifford would have done the same thing. Go out there and shoot because that's that's their skill. This roster is not built right, and I, I think th- our front office, like Ant said, the moves they've made have been very very minor. And I don't blame them. They're they're evaluating. That's a, that's a proper way of doing it. They're adding assets. They're adding talent to our team, but it hasn't been meaningful moves. Now, it's got to come to a point where you got to make moves to add offense because it's it's obvious our defense is strong. Our offense sucks. As simple as that. If next year you add a guy, I don't know, DeRozan, whoever you bring here to be an offensive weapon, and we're struggling at that point, we're winning 30 games, now you can say, hey, we got a good defense, we've added you, players that can score, and we continue to struggle. Now you can say, hey, you're out of here. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you bring a DeRozan here. As long as the offense is ran through Vooch the way that it is, the result is going to be the same. You for like Regardless of the fact... It is February, the last week of February, going into March, and this team has not even won twenty five. So you're telling me, yet. so straight up, you're telling me right now, this is the best roster we could possibly have, and this is the best team we could throw out there right now. No, that's not what I'm saying. No, no, but I'm saying that with the roster that we have, we should be at a high, at a at a better point. Really, without on, on, with, in the standings, without Isaac, without Isaac, without I Augustine, without Vooch missing right. almost a month. Yeah, because. Again, so, we're, we're not we're not running the guys who are contributing to the pace, the speed, and the ball movement like we should be. When we played, for example, the Lakers, you saw a lot of the young guys have that opportunity. And what was the difference in that game? They were running. While, while Evan was not playing, the difference was that they were running and they were pushing the pace, and their defense was at the level that it's at. So Steve Clifford has defensively helped this team develop. But offensively, he has not allowed them the freedom to play at the pace at the level that they could. If you if you had a lineup, right, with Markel Fultz, Fournier, T. Ross, A.G., right, and let's just say Mo Bamba because Vooch is slower on that end, you're telling me that, that that wouldn't be one of the fastest lineups in the NBA? Of course, but then we'll go back to the same point. The roster's not built correctly, so that's not the coach's fault. You, you're telling me that Vooch, that coach will say to, to front office, I'm not playing Vooch as a starter. You can't do that. This guy's making a hundred million dollars. No, but him. you also have to be okay with you made the mistake of paying Vooch a hundred million dollars. I know. You made that mistake. Guess what? You might just have to eat the hundred million. That doesn't mean That's that Vooch has to be the focal point not, of the offense. But what makes it a mistake? He was an NBA also. You have to give him a contract. If you don't give him a contract, you're losing your one player that got you to the playoffs. Who for the didn't first make all star this year? Who didn't this make all star this year? You can't it, not going to tell the future. He's one based on the information that they Correct. have at the time. And, and, and right. again, but again, the point here at the is, very least, then you use him for assets to be able to trade elsewhere. The point we haven't gotten is, to that point. Nobody's going to trade for Vooch's contract, though. That's oh, why their contract isn't that. His contract is not that bad. It's yeah. declining. It could have been. It could have been way worse. You're way still worse. paying him twenty five, what twenty three million dollars a year, and you're willing and you're for willing a guy to, who is not going to lead you to a championship. But you're willing to pay that for Evan Fournier. 
If Evan Fournier was utilized correctly, <laughs> if Evan Fournier was utilized correctly, I think his offensive productivity. Evan, Evan Fournier on, is being offensive, used correctly. He has a green light to do whatever he wants. That's not how Evan should be used. To but, not but, be able but, to do whatever okay, he wants. I don't so, think Evan should have a green light. I think Evan should come off of high pick and roll, screen and roll plays but and, that's and the shoot thing. the three. Our, when Evan fades, when Evan fades to the corners, right? He hits those shots at a pretty high rate, right? He doesn't have to be the focal point of the offense. I think that the focal point of the offense has to be Markel Fultz. I agree. And Markel Fultz has to be able to contribute, I mean, to distribute the ball Which how he, he sees fit yeah. and control the pace how he sees fit. The problem is that there's still a battle between giving Markel Fultz full reign and allowing Vucevic to control the offense. I don't think that that's a battle because he just got back to the NBA. You're expecting way too much from Markel Fultz. Listen, Steve Clifford is doing the best that he can in knowing what will give him the best chance of winning. Right now, it's Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier. Yeah, and not only that, he's being forced to do that because they are the two best players. That's all and again, he has. it goes back to the point They're going to remain the two best players until you give other players the and, opportunity. Oh, this offseason, Fournier's not coming back. We know that, but... My point is, my point is, <laughs> you cannot blame the coach for that. He's playing with the, the card he's been dealt. Those cards are your best players, Fournier and Vooch. You got to rub with that. Markel falls to Oliver. It's a surprise. Nobody expected Markel to be who he is today. Nobody expected that. So we're adapting to that. But now that leads to roster changes, which I fully expect to happen this offseason. Would you rather have Would you rather have Vooch move this offseason or Evan move this both, offseason? Both. Both. If I'm you okay, okay both. let me let me caveat. If you could only move one, <laughs> if you could only move one, would you rather Vooch. move Vooch or Vooch. Evan? Vooch. Evan? Evan Fournier. I say Vooch because I like uh, the NBA today's shooting and shooting. Evan brings that, so if you can keep that here, I'm okay with that. I think it depends on what you bring back because I still I really want to see what Nikola Vucevic is able to do when he's not the best player on the team. When you're not forced to run, but as long as he's Google. here, he's going to be because that's, that's right. what our office likes. That's what our coaching staff likes. But it's not what the coaching staff likes because this is they have we, the first time we make it to the playoffs is the first time that we run everything through Nikola Vucevic. It's Ooh. the best way for us to be able to win and get to the playoffs. That's not true because we saw Vuce get locked down on defensively against Toronto in the playoffs. I, that's in the playoffs. So I'm talking about getting into the playoffs. Okay, but what happens once you're there? Because you have to believe, right? You have to believe that the Magic are making the playoffs this year. At this point, especially now that Kyrie's going to be out for the whole season, you have to believe Orlando makes the playoffs. I wasn't so sure before Kyrie's injury. Now it's like, yeah, it's a given. The Orlando's Washington's gonna right make. there, but I don't think he, so. They catch up. So what happens? You're going to make the playoffs and then get smoked in the playoffs again because you're not adjusting. It might. It might happen. With this roster, what more can they do? They yeah. can change the focus for Vooch. They can't change the focus. What is changing the focus for Vooch going to do playing against Milwaukee in the first round? Yeah, I know. It would allow the floor to be spaced more, and it would allow it would allow more creativity with rotations. True. That don't that are not centered on v- on Nikola Vucevic. But is that, Andrews, is but, that enough for Milwaukee? No. Honestly. Milwaukee. Milwaukee is the best team in the NBA. I so agree. are you saying that? Are you saying that? Without Vooch, this is a championship team. No, but I think that re refocusing Vooch's strengths can lead us to more success. Well, I we, believe that. If we replaced one person on the team on the coaching staff and one person on the team on the player side, where, where would we be more effective? By changing coach or the player, just the player, a, the, a player, player. player. The, player. the player, for sure, the player. That would be the most instant impact. Um, correct, because if we had a because if we had a center that 
spread the space the floor and play had better like you know speed footwork i think it can make a difference all i can say is man, like I, I went back to say it earlier you can put greg popovich coaching this team phil jackson right now with this roster the way it's built we might be one game better two games better <laughs> no, there's it's, no way. it's again there's with the no injuries way. we've had this year isaac being gone i mean we talked about this before isaac scored it's, 14 15 points a game he's not he's a not a difference maker at this yeah. point in time i'm not saying that Cliff isn't the problem. I'm just saying we're not going to really find out until we make an upgrade in roster. Yeah, yeah the roster's not. It's not a fair roster right now. You can't. You can't put it all on Cliff. And you can't put it all on the players. Correct. We're not. We're not built right, and we haven't since Dwight left. Decisions. Decisions. I think it's just easier to blame the front office. It's just easier. Blame or blame Alex. Well, you know, what? I wouldn't say you blame them because they're still in, in part of their process. Let's so. blame Alex Martin. We're way past the whole well, new... evaluation. We're like way past that. That's like. Two years ago, yeah. Mm-hmm. But if, if Evan and Fournier stay, Evan and Fournier stay. Evan, Evan and Fournier, Evan, Evan, Evan Fournier together. I'm so disappointed <laughs> in I'm Evan so, Fournier. I'm so disappointed <laughs> no. in Evan and Evan and Vooch. If Evan and Vooch stay and continue to be the focal point of this team, it's going to be the. Person. I would. I ultimately would keep Evan and try to trade Vooch. But you're you you're saying that as a as a fan though but removing no 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 if I if I could play like GM for a day I think my first move would be to get AG and Vooch out of here and bring in and bring in a more consistent scorer to play excuse me a more consistent scorer to play the four right and bring in a mobile center this week ahead, we have games against Brooklyn on Monday, Atlanta on Wednesday, Minnesota Friday, and San Antonio this Saturday. So four games this week. We're going to go ahead and call the game against Brooklyn as the game of the week. For sure. What are your predictions? I got a W. I got a win against Brooklyn. No Kyrie Irving? Not only that, I think we we know the urgency to get a seventh seed. Uh, we'll come out. We'll fight. We'll play hard. Uh, Brooklyn does too, so they'll play, they'll play hard as well. Uh, so it should be a fun game. Uh, but I got us with the win. I got to win as well. I think AG is going to blow up. He plays well against Brooklyn, though. I don't know why, but he always does. Um, Second game back from vacation. I got. <laughs> I know I'm going to take heat for this, but um, I got an L. I think, I think Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Kourouks, Karis LeVert, all, all of those guys play better together when Kyrie's not there. Um, so I, I think uh, I'm going to go with an L. Yeah, I'm going to go with a loss also. I the way that we've been playing, I just don't have confidence in our team, our roster, even our coaching staff. Um, if the game was home, I would feel a little more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But since the game is in Brooklyn, Spencer Dinwiddie yeah, is the, the truth. Play. He has Joe Harris on his side also. That's a tremendous shooter. I'm going with Brooklyn. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going with a W. Um, I thought we played Brooklyn well the first time. Well, we only played them once this year, right? We won, yeah. And we won. That was without Kyrie as well. Even though they do play better without Kyrie. Um, well, Kyle yeah. had a career high that night. Yeah. yeah did. Um, it was a home game, so it can make a difference maker playing at Brooklyn. But I, I think we played them very well. I think we can pull out the W. We need to win this one. All right. Final thoughts? Go 3-1 and one this week. We have some winnable games. We got Brooklyn. We got the Hawks. We got Minnesota. Uh, even San Antonio have been playing that well. So I feel that this could be a big week, a big week for us. We have to win at least three games. Can I go two and two? Can I go one and three? It's got to be three and one. I'm looking forward to seeing how the rotations pan out. We got four games this week. Uh, this this is James Ennis kind of experiment to see how it goes. 
how Wandu's minutes goes, how's DJ Augustine coming back feeling. Um, there's a lot of different things that we can kind of learn from the team right now with Augustine back, with Ennis in the starting lineup. I want to see what the coaching staff does. I can't see Wesley Wandu getting four straight or five straight DMPs. So I'm expecting to see that the minute that he does get plugged into the game, that he takes the most advantage mm-hmm. of it and it really shows that he deserves to get minutes and even potentially take his, that starting spot back. Um, in terms of the games that we're playing against, I can see us going 2-2. Two and two. Um, how, how has D'Angelo Russell been doing in Minnesota? Has anybody seen those games? Honestly, I haven't. I haven't watched. He's, uh, he's, not, he's not even playing today. He's not playing yet. Yeah, oh, okay. he's not, well, he's not playing today. He has knee soreness. So I mean, it's the issue with the Magic has always been that we tend to drop our mm-hmm. game to the level of our competition, um, and we really struggle to beat the teams that we're supposed to be. So Brooklyn is a team that, in my opinion, we're we're supposed to be, especially without Kyrie Irving. Same with Atlanta, Minnesota. It's you know just really really depending. I'm not crazy about their roster, but that should be a potential win. But at the same time, I can't see it as a loss. And then San Antonio is San Antonio. So get me at least two wins. I'll be happy. Yeah. Um, for me, I think my final thoughts are centered around ball movement and pace. I know I say this. I've said this multiple weeks. Um, but experiment, Cliff. Experiment. Try, like I said, try MCW, Markel, and, and, and DJ, you know, at one time. Try Markel, Evan, T. Ross, and AG, or a one-do in a lineup. You know, one-do playing four, AG playing a five. Like, Try lineups that are going to push the pace, kind of change it up on teams that aren't expecting it, um, where you have offense in, in the lineup, but you also have guys that are athletic, uh, that can run, that can shoot the three, can pass. Um, that's that's what I want to see. I want to see, really. I do think this week the, the team goes two and two, um, and I think we, we end the week in the same predicament that we started. This can sound crazy, but I'm going to go with uh, the Magic winning for the rest of the month, all four games. I can see that happening. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. All right. Sounds good. That's a wrap for this episode. Peace. Peace Peace out. Deuces, people. Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Be sure to visit our website, theozonepod.com. And remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.